0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish
1: Podcast.
2: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James, and today we're going to be talking about Fulham's triumph up in Lancashire, a solid Rovers return for Fulham. As we came back with a 1-0 win and we are now level on points with Leeds United. Very exciting indeed. And to discuss everything that happened on Saturday and look forward to Millwall on Wednesday as well. I'm joined by three Fulhamish originals. Professor Ben Jarman. Hello, hello everyone. The chaparole himself, Don Betts. And the secretary who has not been a secretary for an awful long time. He has
0: been a while. Hello listeners. How are you doing?
2: good thank you very much nice to see you all and well it's an extremely exciting time to be talking about full i imagine there might be a few of you who, who have left the pod for a, a month or two and i reckon there'll be a few extra hundred people tuned in today because it's all got very, very tight at the top and it's all very exhilarating Back in it. Yeah. Well, we've got lots to discuss. Jack, what were the three-word reviews from Saturday's game?
0: I liked um, Liam Bentham's, which we used in the article, actually. In your five, in your five thoughts, Sammy. New Ewood score. Yes, yeah, I thought it was, was very good. Fulham George, Michael Hector, Masterclass. Soul with Mitro Machine, Messiah. And this, I think, my favourite of the lot. Brian Lake thing, Automatic Pro Mitrosion. I thought it was a bit of a stretch, but I liked it. A lot of fun with it. You
2: do have to sometimes have some of the three-word reviews that are a little bit of a stretch as well, where they've butchered about 17 words (laughs) into three by using hyphens, and I've got a lot of time for it. Okay, well, lots of talking points from the game. Um, Let's start with you, Dom. You were there. Was that your favourite away day of the season so far?
3: It's tough to to say. I like Swansea, but I feel like Swansea was like a collective of... Me getting a flight in from Amsterdam. I get you across The game the itself,
2: r- rather than the stuff around it, like Pop World or anything else like that. <laughs>
3: I like how you name
0: check the clubs <laughs> now. It's not even like a oh, you know, a night out that you went on. It's always Pop World,
2: isn't it? Um, Can't go wrong. The ninety minutes, either side itself, was this your favourite?
3: No, because the game was terrible. No,
2: but I mean the atmosphere and what no, went on. No, no, no. Was
3: it? Was it? Was one of those amount of away fans that we bring that it's I feel like whenever we bring about 700-800 that's always like the best it can get really because when you bring like 3,000 to some area I just don't I feel like when it's like 700 and it's just all the fans sort of packed into one area and it's the fans who do travel week in week out most likely those fans going I always feel the atmosphere is better and yeah atmosphere wise and celebration wise it's, it's, it's probably up there. It's definitely our best, you know, Saturday three o'clock away game of the season, albeit probably having too many of them. But no, it was. Um, I think all round it was just great. It was. It's, it was just sort of another one of those winners where you know the players getting on the same train as the fans on the train back from Preston. You know that happened. I love it when that happens. Yeah, I mean it happened fairly often when we sort of had that run of games. I think towards the beginning of the season, which we did go up, where they, they happened to be on our train fairly often. But yeah, I think overall, as a day, it, it it will take a lot to be beaten.
2: My favourite memory of that ever situation was the Barnsley game where the Steffi Hansen song kind of made its name and we we're all trying to let Steffi Hansen hear the Steffi Hansen song. Whether he did or not um, remains to be known, but certainly a lot of people in King's Cross station heard the Steffi Hansen song that day. Um, ben... We're level on points with Leeds. We were 11 points behind them in mid-December. It's been talked about a lot this weekend and much of that is due to our good form. A lot of it is due to the terrible form of, of the sides above us. How important mentally is it that we've caught up with them so quickly?
1: Huge, huge, massively, massively uh, positive for for Fulham to catch up with them that quickly and it was a massive gap wasn't it let's not forget at, at one point in the season it was well into double figures and a lot of our fans were were writing us off and since then it's been a, a massive upturn in form and I remember the podcast we did where we were talking about Fulham versus Luton on Boxing Day and we would basically written Fulham off for automatic promotion we said we'd be incredibly lucky if we got playoffs and or just over a month or so later, here we are, level on points with uh, the team in second place. It's a mad
0: league, isn't it? Absolutely,
1: absolutely crazy league. It's a it's a
0: funny one. Look, I I'm here for Leeds collapsing as much as everyone else. I am slightly concerned that they've gone too early with their collapse. Like normally, they collapse and then like that's it. But
2: well, they collapsed around Easter weekend last year. Yeah, didn't and then, it then it they just like dropped
0: and dropped and dropped, and it, it sort of finished. But I think there is enough time for them still to turn it around. And the amount of chances they're creating, I am slightly concerned about writing Leeds off this early. Having you but know, the with them still is- in second as well, like you know, this is there's there's still plenty to do here. Look, it's wonderful. I'm not trying to downplay any of the the catch up, and I think we've played well in this stretch, which has been which has been useful while they've been, you know, hemorrhaging points, shall we say? I am just wary of doing it too early, and I, I know that sounds ridiculous given what's happened in the last month. Do but- still feel
1: like there's an extra gear that Fulham needs to step into to. To really cement ourselves at the top of the league, like we've got this far, but I still without think we're really like, hitting. Yeah, our really, Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like, but when we got promoted a couple of years ago, it was like you almost felt like it was a given. Every game we'd go into and think, yeah, we can get three points here, yeah. and we're if we don't get three someone yeah, if we don't get three points here, then it's a bit of a failure. Like the Millwall game. Got there and a lot of people were quite apprehensive about our chances. But actually we steamrolled them one three 0 and that was the point where we were like, We are going to be a Premier League team. This year I haven't had that feeling yet where we sat there and think, Yeah, we're gonna go up. How many halves of football can you name that Fulham have played well this season?
2: I can name they're lots well, of, I can name really lots of well. halves, but I Mill- can't now name you a whole ninety minutes. But like,
1: Millwall at home is Millwall the most polished, the polished, polished well, yeah, performance we've if, had. I think all if you're year. looking
3: at games like just when we've played well you can look obviously you look at the Mill game you can point to the Reading game but they had 10 men for majority of it maybe Derby at home
0: some of the QPR game yeah
3: it like in spells the actual in the games you're pointing at where we've played well it is only three or four and you know as as Ben said that shows there is still extra gear for us to go into But 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 I also do think it's people comparing it with the team that went up in seventeen eighteen, and it's they're totally different in the way they're sort of grinding out the wins. I think we'd sort of would way we grind out the wins under Slavica Kanović was like sort of full throttle going at the opposition. I don't feel that's the same here with Scott Parker. It's a bit, no. especially in the last month or six weeks or so since obviously we beat Leeds. It's been a bit more stable at the back, especially since Michael Lech has come in and Roda's been making some brilliant saves. And yeah, I think. It's a lot more structured than it was on the Slavice, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, it, we were doing it in a different way. but Because do- it's like it, they're comfortable wins, but they're still very narrow and grinding them out. What,
2: what is playing well, though? Because at the end of the day, for me, in lots of ways, and, and the way that I think Scott Parker's built this team, Saturday wasn't far off perfect. It's almost like Italian football we're trying to play. We barely let Blackburn have a chance, really. I think Sam Gallagher was about as close as they came in the second half. I mean, they scored a
0: goal that legitimately should have stood.
2: What was I, I've? There was barely no angle, unless I've, he's, all,
0: he's just on side.
2: Well, I, 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 you certainly couldn't see that on the quest highlights. This I, is why
3: you don't want VAR on the game. Is there an angle on the official uh, website yeah, I think that a, I
0: haven't seen? The, I saw an angle put through today where he looks two, three yards onside. Like, no, it's not, like, it looks like it might get a touch on the way through. It doesn't. It goes straight through, and I think that ends offside, uh, onside. But the point being that Muradak makes a great stop. We didn't create very much either. Grinding out one nil away is, is, is all well and good. But, you know, Steph had a chance at the end that hasn't really made it onto any highlights packages, which is a bit strange, where he probably should have lifted it and made it 2-0. But up to that point, yes, we controlled the game nicely, but we weren't, like, wildly, like, creating. We weren't putting a load of balls in. It was a scrappy, you know, disjointed performance in many ways. And, yes, obviously it's good to grind out those 1-0 wins. And what I was actually going to say was I think it probably puts us in better stead. Should we go up? Because we know how to grind out. Results in this kind of manner.
2: All right. Well, let's look at the game itself. And there was one big change: Cyrus Christie out, Tim Ream back in, following his suspension that he picked up after the Man City game. And then Dennis adoy shifted to right back. I was very surprised to not see Terence Congolo come into the starting eleven, but I felt like Ream vindicated himself a little bit. I thought he was pretty solid at the back and. Maybe we were all a bit quick to call the end of Tim Ream's career after one red card against the English champions.
3: Yeah, well, I think when looking at the team going into the game, I thought obviously thought Kongolo would come in, but I also thought out of the 2 fullbacks that were going to be dropped, I thought it would be Joe Bryan as opposed to Cyrus Christie. Because I actually think... What with so, Kongolo then going to left-back? I can really smell back. an agenda No, as, as in, <laughs> I'd add the two centre-backs being Hector and Kongolo with doy at left-back and then Christie at right-back. Obviously, Joe Bryan did them pretty well because I think that's probably his best performance of the season so far. You know, pulling out seven point five out of ten, he hasn't done that much this this, this <laughs> season. But no, I think I was quite surprised that you know Congo not coming in, and also you know Christie being the full-back decided to be dropped as opposed to Joe Bryan.
0: Yeah, I thought that was quite weird as well. In terms of you looked at. In fact, I thought the two fullbacks, yes, there were defensive errors and mishaps in the Huddersfield game. But actually, they created so much between them. And you look for the goals, you know, two assists from either fullback who'd started to bomb on a little bit. And suddenly you replace that with Dennis Adoy, who just doesn't really do the same thing. He you know, does offer attacking impetus, but in a very, very different way. Uh, and I thought it was a strange move. Look, you know, it's another clean sheet and, and Parker's got to be commended for that. I just was a bit surprised. I think that would be the word I would use.
1: So I feel like this is a typical Scott Parker away from home sort of move, you know, trying to, as you say, Jack, Adoy offers a different sort of threat to the one that Christie poses. Christie likes to get up and down that wing as much as he can, but Adoy sort of stays at home a little bit more. And I think that that's what Parker tries to do is tries to form that back three away from home to sort of keep it a little bit more um, controlled at the back. And I think we saw that. For large parts against Charlton where one full back went forward and the other one didn't. And it didn't really provide much then.
2: I mean, I did enjoy the statistic that uh, Hector and Tim Ream still haven't conceded a goal while they've both been on the pitch, which is a bit misleading considering the fact that it was because Ream got sent off in the game against <laughs> Man City that that yeah. statistic... But facts facts f- I f- think you facts think facts. can
0: discount You can discount that game. Look, when, At the moment, we're not worried about how we're playing against City. No, you've got to look at. But the they're game working; to the, a,
2: they are working together well as a partnership. Yeah, which makes you wonder: is there a need to bring in Congolo Yet, surely, if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
3: I think it's just because we, you know, with Mawson's injury, there is literally not another centre back option, yeah. um, unless you're bringing in like Jerome Poco in. But I mean, we should have done that. We, we should have done that ages ago. Um, but it was no. It, in terms of, I think you look at.
0: The city game, and then Congolo came in and did really well. Yes, we conceded four goals, <laughs> but against an unbelievable city side, Congolo that tackle obviously mm-hmm. in the box, which everyone was running and raving about at the time, and, and rightly so, phenomenal. And it looked like we had a player who was capable of of, of filling that role. And so, I, I guess that's probably why everyone was so quick to be like right this 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 guy's going to be in I think the fact that we played Hud- Huddersfield next has massively damaged him because if yeah. he'd come in for that next game alongside Hector and played really well you'd have found it really difficult to get Tim Green back in the team but actively because he hadn't you know, it, it makes more sense to go back to the tried and tested in some regards. I think
3: you've also got to look how many games you still got to play this month. Like, was yeah. it still five or six games we still got to play before the end of the month? Yeah. Like,
2: the, the shortest month and the most amount of games. Yeah, somehow. I think
3: we had seven league games in February and yep. what is only like 28, 29 days. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But maybe that is a point in Scott Park because he knows that Hector and Ream has worked but obviously the Manchester City game so maybe he didn't see a reason to change it and he'll t- trial Hector I don't know he might play on Wednesday night or he might play on Saturday against Barnsley or you know the midweek game we've got coming up against Swansea at the end of the month you know we've, we've got plenty of games still to play and I think Kongola is going to have parts to play this season because you know Tim Ream can't play you know every three days. You know, I
1: think it's just like a, a welcome rest for a guy that in some people's eyes is probably now the wrong side of 30 and you forget and he had a pretty bad back injury he's lost a a yard of pace and we're seeing that at points in the season and it's just nice for him to have you know a couple of three weeks off just to get the legs back like knock out any kinks that are in the armor and then yeah go again it's it's welcomed I would imagine
2: let's speak about Michael Hector because he's come into this side he's now got three man of the match awards from from the Fulham fans and I just can't believe that he's 27 and still hasn't had a regular club for that long in his career because he has stepped into this Fulham side and he honestly looks like a world beater and there was a lot of pressure on him coming into the Fulham team and he just seems to have dealt with it every time I lost count the amount of times on Saturday I heard Gentleman Jim say that's an interception from Michael Hector interception from Michael Hector interception from Michael Hector, it was like Jim was on a loop because <laughs> he was just so solid. He has a knack of being in the right place at the right time. It's phenomenal.
3: Yeah, I also think one thing with Hector is we've seen with Raymond soon is they will only try a play out from the back. Really, unless the fans start shouting, they did like at Luton, and then, he's, yeah. and then he started to lump it forward. But I think Hector's got that in his Arsenal that he know he knows when to pass out of the back, he knows when to uh, lump it forward. I just think his decision making and his awareness is what's made such a big change in the side as opposed to not necessarily. Obviously, that comes into his ability as a defender, but I think just his or knowledge of the game to be in the right position at the right time and know what to do is been the most impressive thing.
1: Well, I think also it's a, a massive part of it goes down to the fact that he's firstly got immense athletic ability for being someone that's so big and can get around the pitch so quickly and 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 jump and be as dominant in the air but also it is I think it is a testament to his character that he's come into a team that he's been training for with sorry for 6 months And he's taken the authority to essentially be a captain that isn't the captain of this team. And it's very rare that you get a new player that comes in and makes that much of an impact and actually uh, provides another voice on the pitch. And I said it a couple of times on the podcast throughout the, the year and the season that Mawson and Ream aren't really great talkers between them both and you look at Hector and he's exactly the opposite of that his communication is incredibly good and his ability to pick out a pass is probably not matched by anyone we've got available in the back half of the pitch.
0: I think something that's really interesting to know is the fact that he came in obviously before he was available to play so he Mm. spent three months four months training with the side getting to know and you know shaking off that rust yes obviously you can't substitute the actual match experience which is why i think we saw a little bit of that rustiness against villa Mm. in that first game but on the whole you you look at what he's brought into the side uh, and you you i was talking about this the other week about how the best january transfers are always ones that either look like they've been done since the summer or they're like hangovers from the summer or they're done before the january transfer window actually opens it's very rare that you get a january transfer that works that's brought in on deadline day or brought in. a. It's not that it can't happen. It's just more rare. And I think that's a huge part of it. Hector's come in. He's been training with the squad. He's got to know everyone. he would already be a character in the dressing room. It's not like he has to come in there and not be afraid and be afraid to kind of show his voice and show his character. So all of those things will contribute to the fact that he's been able to hit the ground running. And I think that, yes, it's sad that we didn't get him in mm. the summer. And there's a lot of chat at the moment on Twitter and that about oh, how good we'd have been if we'd started the season with Rodak and with Hector. And, and, and rightly so, because they've been both so crucial to how well Fulham have played and, or, or in terms of getting results. But on the flip side of that is the kind of, he's had that time to integrate himself within the squad anyway. And so he's not had to kind of come in cold. And I think that's contributed to his form having come in.
2: Go on then, Dom, tell us the song. If you, if, for those that weren't there on Saturday but want to learn it's, it's mate, I love it
3: well Michael Hector's magic he wears a magic hat and if you threw a brick at him he'd head the fucker back he has it to the left he has it to the right and when we win the championship we'll sing this song all night
2: I mean it's wonderful the, the heading the brick back is just I, think, <laughs> I enjoyed
3: that is it good is it an enjoyable chart um, I don't
0: like that we've nicked Pontus Janssen's song
3: Well, when we first started singing it I had to be careful not to sing the Nations League because I've been too used to singing about Harry Maguire I was like, no, it's 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 club now, isn't it? So, but no, I also think when it comes to our recent upturn in form, I guess you can say in the last sort of six weeks too, is it being understated how much of an impact Ken McDonald has made?
0: No, I think this is a very fair point. Because I He's feel different gravy.
3: Yeah, I feel like he's come in and obviously everyone was talking about Harrison Reid and obviously when he'd been playing in bit parts, maybe in the cup games, you know, he was saying, oh, his legs have gone, but he's come into the side. And I think what he offers is that obviously there is that, you know, that leadership from from that role. But I also think he, he allows our fullbacks to not get exposed as much.
1: Yeah. Well, we said this a couple of, like a couple of podcasts back and it was in uh, Charlton's like Five Thoughts and a couple more, but like... His ability to sit in, in the back, of, in the middle of the centre halves, and then form a back three so they can bomb on is is really underappreciated. But also, the fact that you can tell he's doing some sort of coaching license really helps him, sort of like implement some sort of theory onto the pitch. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So like you see Kearney push up a little bit higher and with K Mac on the pitch, and you see Onoma have a bit more influence as well. But I think. Uh, moving moving a team up like three or four yards might seem like a very small increment but in football it can play a massive part and I think yeah he might not be the most mobile anymore and if you put him up against pace he's in a lot of trouble but I think he's been integral to the upturn in form the last six months like midfield is in my opinion and maybe shared by a lot of others in the room what wins matches and I think he's added a little bit of slickness to that midfield as well with the passing because before that it was a little bit slow it was uh, to say the least it wasn 't particularly incisive it wasn 't yeah. quick in its decision making and I think k Mac offers all of that and it doesn 't have to be spectacular. it can be short five six seven yard passes here five six seven yard passes mm-hmm. here just to relieve pressure and or to get the pass before the pass
2: and also the championship is won on the battlegrounds of ewood Park and the den on a on a windy wednesday night and yeah. whilst it is amazing to play fast free flowing football in the championship, and that will inevitably help you when you or if you go up to the Premier League he also just suits the situation doesn't yeah. he and he does win us those tough games it'll be interesting to see how someone like K-Mac fares when we get those tougher tougher matches in March and April when we go up to the Hawthorns when we go to Elland Road is he so effective there or actually is that when you want Harrison Reed when you're playing against sides who are going to offer you a much tougher test technically but something like Wednesday night is going to be bread and butter to K-Mac he's going to see that pitch and see those conditions and think yeah it's a bit of me today and if he can stick one in the top bins like the last time he went to the 10 <laughs> um, that would be that would absolutely He we learned
3: Jordan Archer for the game and put him in goal again because he was absolutely terrible that night yeah, that was the, one of the worst goalkeeping performances I've
1: ever seen in my entire life I've seen a lot of matches. Yeah, we've seen some bad
3: games. It <laughs> yeah. was it was poor that
0: day. Look, it's a tough place to go, and I hope that what I was going to say was I'm be interested to see how K Mac fares with nine games in 27 days, like, yeah. like Dom says, you know. And, and while we, you know, maybe were quick, like we say, people were quick to suggest that his legs had gone. He is definitely still on on the on the way over the hill, you'd imagine, and and not to say that he is there yet. And and I think that he's. You know, quite a lot of critics with his performances of late. But it, with the amount of games coming up and and that kind of heavy heavy schedule on the legs, it'd be interesting to see how Parker rotates him uh, with, with game with weeks like this coming up, where there are three games in in the space of. Eight days or whatever it is. I
3: also it? think that the, our record at the then is going to play a part mentally because, you know, when they in that 3 0 victory, the core of this team was playing in that game. Yep. They know what it takes to, and that was a in, in probably a bigger game than this one is, if we're being honest, because, you know, we Must were both be. on huge unbeaten runs. It was towards the latter end of the season, and obviously there was the cut win, uh, was it last season as well? And then I think, you know, the first time, first season we went down or the first time we played them, it was a 0 0 with Rodier's side goal. But I feel like because the core of the squad was there on that night when we beat them 3 0 on that Friday night game, like, I feel like that's going to play a big part in their heads mentally, but they know yeah. they can do it. Yeah, I think so as well. And
1: I think everyone forgets what the atmosphere at that ground was like. It was probably the most intense atmosphere that Millwall have had for years. It was sold out completely, wasn't it? And um, we took a full travelling contingent and it was like... Uh, the, I, I don't really have the words to describe how the atmosphere was on that day, but like, we quietened them down pretty quickly in that second half. And towards the end, it was... It was a given that we were going to go up and it was a given that we were going to win that match and I just remember, like you say, coming back for that cup match, the year we went up and there were more of us than there were them and that was such a strange experience. Everyone thought it would be like that Millwall game from the year we got promoted and it was completely the opposite.
2: I liked this stat. Moving on from Dale, who sent in that Fulham are undefeated this season when scoring the opening goal in a league game this year. 15 wins, two draws, and Fulham have won their last 12 consecutive league matches in which they've scored thir- first. We haven't been behind since the Reading game, which we inevitably lost. Has it become as simple this season, Jack, of whoever scores the first goal wins? Because it's
0: not far off. Well yeah, it goes back to what I was saying. Because because you don't if you don't create many chances, going behind is an absolute you know, dead set, especially if times teams are gonna look to sit in behind you and and just be like, Right, go on, then play in front of us And I think, you know, when we were when you do compare the two sides of you know, Slavisa's promotion season and and this side now, what we were brilliant at and, you know, testament to Ben Jarman, this is his phrase, was smashing through transitions. And what we would do is we would just break or, or not even break, but we would move the ball at such speed through the middle that we were able to create overloads and create chances and create cutbacks, which we inevitably scored from. The way we play has changed and for right or for wrong and, and for better or worse, there are differences. Um, and, and like you said, we feel like we're more able to grind out results. And maybe that's a good thing if you're looking to actually steal yourself in the Premier League and, and get yourself set that you can actually defend and, and build around that. But when teams go ahead against us, I don't feel like we're creating enough to to come back and get them. And, and you look even at those kind of weird games early on in the season, the Charlton game at home. Where our response to going down was just to chuck everybody on, and then Parker's response was basically like stick Cavalera and knock our wing back and see what happens, which yeah. was kind of chaos basically. Yeah, and and look, it's had its effective moments, it's had its really ineffective moments, and it's just it doesn't seem like when we go behind we have the wherewithal to start actually creating things in the opposition third and that we're reliant on screamers and we're reliant on uh, out of this world chances which actually isn't a sustainable method and we spoke about it at the
1: time so this is what I mean when I I say to you that Fulham still have a gear to go through in that they're not as quick as they once were they're not able to control games that they were, they can have 35-40 minutes at a time in a game where they look unbeatable, but for the rest of it, they really struggled to hold everything tight and there's still so many hairy moments in Fulham. And Yeah, Jack, we used to be incredible on the transition, but now, not so much. It's sort of a little bit laboured, we don't look to pass quick enough and we certainly don't break quick enough, that's for sure. I think that will be our detriment against teams that maybe just set up or get an early lead and then just set up because to frustrate us yeah. it will just frustrate us and we won't be able to do anything um, it's looking good that we can protect leads, though we should probably yeah, touch that, on the positive that, of it Like, yeah, it is very positive. good
0: that we are not letting winning positions slip Yeah, because that is something that's plagued West Brom in particular yeah. who have dropped so many points from winning positions so far this season and and so to be able to protect those leads is is really really crucial and, and that should be commended I was that, just making the point
1: there was that changing point in that season we went up wasn't there where that come from a point where we were sort of leaking goals-ish and every game felt like a shootout until after Christmas in what point there was some very small changes made that made us essentially watertight and it sort of feels like it is going the same way but we're not as potent going forward as we were then but the ability to hold on a lead is probably the most important part of a football game right
2: well I've got an amazing question which talks about accepting the identity of Parker's style so I'm going to touch on that in the questions section which is coming up after the break just a quick one then looking at the table as a whole obviously West Brom did pick up a win against Millwall yesterday um and it was a gritty win as well I was impressed by West Brom I watched uh, most of it and Mm -hmm. tough conditions out there and actually You'd imagine that it would have been Millwall that was, that thrived. But actually, from the very first minute, it seemed quite clear that West Brom were going to go there and win. They just seemed to have something about them. But you've got West Brom top 59 points. Then you've got Leeds and Fulham second and third on 55. Our goal difference is three worse than, than Leeds. Brentford, a couple of points behind on 53. They picked up a big win on Saturday against Borough. And then you've got, oh, well, you've actually got Nottingham Forest in fourth, sorry, who obviously won. Um, against Leeds on Saturday just after us. There's five teams there now. Is it those five teams battling it out for the rest of the season or is there potentially another team that can break I, I still into don't that top think five?
3: you can... I think Bristol City are still with him with a shout. Like they're not, they're not far off at all. I think they do it,
2: lose a lot of stupid games. Yeah, they Bristol City the always just really good against us, and then just but not then, really good against. What, else. what have they
3: won? Is it five of their last six games? I well, think? yeah, they
2: won four on the spin, and then on Friday night they they just imploded against a pretty Birmingham. average Birmingham City. Yeah, side. so
3: I, I think home. I think yeah, I, obviously. You can you can say oh they're down six so is automatically pushing too much of a push but you know was it it's only six points they're, so, fi-
0: they're five points behind us and Leeds.
3: yeah so like yeah. if you if you if we were five points behind you know the team in second you'd say we're right in this automatic promotion race so, so I think they are because when when they click it's not that. It's, it's, it's kind of like us to an extent where once they once they get in the lead they actually got very very good very very good at the back like if you look at the games where they won four and about so I don't think they conceded in any of those games no. I think they were four 1-0 wins yep. so I think you have got a clue in the conversation I don't think they will get it but I still think they've got to be included in, in the conversation for it but Forrest, Forrest I still haven't been completely convinced by it this season Forrest are a bit like us yeah, a lot exactly. of teams
1: that played quite well and uh, yeah not especially convinced by it, like you say, Jack. And I've, I've, the thing about Bristol City is they've been streaky for about three or four years now. They win four, they lose three. They win four, they lose three. And it's that consistency that, well, lack of, therefore... Lee Johnson's streaky either. bacon. Yeah, absolutely streaky bacon.
2: But it's actually... A lot of Fulham fans are looking at the fact that we've tied level with Leeds and their uh, momentum is, is poor at the moment. And, oh, that means that... Ful- but actually... It's not inconceivable that Leeds might be out of the automatic promotion race completely if they carry on with this form. And actually, Forrest and Brentford are actually the, the new rivals. I wasn't sure who to support on Saturday between Forest and Leeds. I, think I, was, when I ever, was hoping for a draw. I think really. whenever
3: these... Yeah, and and these, you've got
2: Brentford Leeds tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, who, I'm looking,
3: do, who do you support? I'm looking at all these teams who are in the top six. For me, whenever they play each other, you just want it to be a draw. Because then, yeah. then they're both losing points, if that makes sense. like mm. I understand they're both... Still getting a point in the end, but I feel like you whenever any of these top six teams are coming against each other, a draw is the best result. We absolutely
0: want a result for uh, a draw from Brentford Leeds tomorrow. Yeah. Leeds would be a point above us and Brentford a point behind us and then if we went to the, the dem, we'd go ahead. We'd, we'd we'd move into second. That that's the result. That's it. they and even, you know, if Brentford win, we could still leapfrog them, but they'd then be a point behind us in third. And you don't really want that either. You don't you don't want Brentford breathing down your neck given how well they're playing. But yeah, as in like I think if Leeds, and well, the big, I think if Leeds drop out of the automatics, I think if Leeds are like fifth by mid March, they'll win every like win their last six games. I, I Absolutely, one hundred percent believe this. I have a thing about they've gone too early, they've fallen apart too early.
3: I think also issue with Brentford is people, their goal difference is ludicrous. Yeah, it's mad. It's, it's
0: mad, like, yeah, it's they've mad.
3: got an extra point, haven't they? Yeah, Liverpool they've goal got. Goal I difference. think their goal difference is what like 26, 27, 27, Something. Yeah. something they like scored
0: fifty two goals, which yeah. is six more than anyone apart from West Brom. Um and they they're just it's one of those weird ones. I was looking at stat recently. They haven't scored in something like eleven games this season. But the games they have scored in, they've just scored like yeah. They're the third. They've got the third highest amount of <laughs> shutouts real? against them. Yeah. yeah. But when wow. they do score, they score like five.
3: Yeah. Both of it's it was mad. Everyone, the
0: whole, whole league is just absolutely. Yeah. But insane. Everyone, everyone, it so talks, everyone talks
3: about Brentford like oh they're the best team in the league or they play the best football in the league. Whatever. I was like we're still above them.
0: Yeah, yeah, but that's fine. Like Cardiff put up above us the year that we got promoted, but th- we still played better football. Yeah. Than yeah. Them. That's not that's not Yeah, yeah every, that I feel like unfortunately everyone, it's not Crufts. it's football.
3: Everyone's like quick to sort of praise I feel like a lot of people have been quick to praise Brentford this season, but we are still above them in the league. Yeah, yeah,
0: well, agreed. but like if you look at their model against our model instead of who they've signed and for what the prices they've signed them for and all of those things, and that's an incomparable situation. That's different.
3: It is, but I just feel like people are too for some reason it's too busy to just praise brentford this season when we've been above. It's quite minita- a romantic little story we've been above him in the table most of the time which find it boring
2: <laughs> i mean this is some vintage sky bet this season i think we're in the midst of an absolutely classic season <laughs> like we, it is it There's we're a, in
0: it's it's i reckon it's a seven-team shootout which is nuts seven-team shootout for two places that's insane Four right. nines Jeremy That's Four insane Four nines Jeremy That's yeah. insane
2: But yeah I think it's going to be An exciting 15 games And hopefully Just Fulham can Keep their heads above water And stay in the race For the whole thing Right we've waffled on uh, Let's have a quick break And then we've got Loads of your questions afterwards
0: Cavalero Cavalera Came to us on loan To bring us straight back up Cavalero Cavalera to us on to bring
2: us straight back up. Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here with Ben Jarman. Hello, hello. Don Betts. Hello, hello. Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. So, Millwall on Wednesday... Um, we were talking earlier about memories of going to Millwall down the years and we know that Millwall are always a, a tough side to go to. Gary Rowett has got them very organised. Uh, we know a couple of the, the faces there and the likes of Sean Hutchinson. Uh, they're well drilled and we know that it's, it's going to be a tough place to go. How do Fulham set up best to try and get three points? The pitch could be an absolute state um, if, if Sunday's anything t- to go by. What does Fulham do, if anything, to combat that?
1: The main thing we should probably do to combat that is uh, break Jed Wallace's legs because if he gets another <laughs> assist, he'll be one of only five players across the whole of Europe to have double figures, goals and assists. Yeah. Can you name the others? Jaden Sancho. Yeah. Anyone on Bleacher Report's Instagram story <laughs> yeah. this week?
3: Because Messi made, Ronaldo. It, made, it, Messi made Messi. it this weekend, didn't he? Messi did make it. But hasn't Sancho did in the smallest... Minutes, yeah, hasn't it? They've he? got the
0: same amount of. Yeah, now Messi and Sancho have
3: the same amount Squeeze from South London. This isn't the point. Squeeze from South London. And away we from the just point. Anyway, it. Jed Wallace is
1: well good at football. He is very, very good at football. And it, it, it's ultimately to stop Millwall, you're going to have to stop it at a source. And that source is Jed Wallace for for a large amount of. And not give any ball. free
2: kicks within 40 yards of the goal.
1: Exactly, because it would just be pumped into the box, wouldn't it? Yeah, I am concerned about the state of the pitch. Like It cut up really rough
0: in the West Brom game it was it will have got worse with the torrential downpour we have just had mm. uh, and as the storm continues to rage around London and the UK I guess um, but most specifically Bermondsey um, it, it's going to be difficult it, that, that pitch is not going to suit the fact that Fulham are going to try and play it's going to be sticky yep. It's we're going to have to you know do, use different methods to what we're used to to try and you know affect this game and Actually, is where this kind of attritional sense probably will come in handy. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kamara come back in. Yeah, that's kind of I game. Think,
1: I think that would probably be a good one. A little bit more of sort of like a kick and run style of football probably suit the conditions. Like get him in and around Mitrovic as much as possible. Probably 2 su- Then probably suit us. Never four four two. Never four four two. But, but Kamara.
2: Well, we can We have been against Leeds. We played the long ball game very, very effectively. So it's something in Scott's Arsenal. We don't only play one way anymore.
0: The problem, yes, that, that that's fine. But Leeds looked to play a different style of break. We don't want to play Millwall at their own game.
2: Well, yeah, that was what my next point was.
0: Well, yeah, but you know, also they have three gigantic centre backs, well, two, and Sean Hutchinson. They're going to. If we just keep feeding long balls into Mitrovic, he will get less joy than we expect because three we've seen already. We saw in the Reading game how frustrated he got with three centre backs basically man marking him, and that will happen again. That's what they'll exactly what they'll look to do. They'll look at the Blackburn game at the go at the weekend and they'll go, right, what would have been a nil nil without Mitrovic's quality will could happen to us. We could nab something as long as we you know we're in and around the game, and they will look to try and stifle his scoring threat. And and if you just lump balls down Jim the centre backs are going to gobble that up all night long
2: okay right some questions first one from Matthew Wall um, are we in need of accepting the identity of Parker's style of play for Fulham when we signed Knockart, Decadova Reed, and Cavalero as well as securing contracts for TC and Mitro we all thought we'd win every game 5-2 score 100 plus goals and coast home on HMS piss the league in reality Parker has set us out to be a team which is not over committed going forward but fairly clinical when we do we're winning games by one goal margins and that keeps everyone nervous but is this what what Parker wants control solidity and precision rather than as under Slav complete dominance of the ball and an expectation that we'd score more even if there was a soft underbelly I preferred the Slav approach but feel more confident in Parker's Fulham defending a lead than I have since Roy
1: well I think it all comes down to Parker's style as a player during his playing career himself he was a combative defensive midfielder who loved a 360 turn and he was pretty solid in all aspects of his game and I think that's you you often see a player's or manager's style be a part of their blueprint of their team. And I think Fulham are a, a little bit more solid. And I think what we've moved away from is, as, you, as, as he rightly says, a sort of shootout mentality where now we're sort of looking a bit more solid. And um, I think we've seen a little bit of progression from Parker throughout the season. At the start, it was sort of how can we stifle the game as much as possible by holding on to the ball and trying just to control the game through the use of the feet whereas now we're sort of looking at parker controlling the game through positioning and movement of players which is i think is probably an excellent transition for him and i think it suits his theory on the game but um yeah i think yeah accepting it is a little bit harder because it's not as easy on the eye that's certainly for sure but i think it's is a positive step and a lot of people will will want slavicevic kanovic football to come back because it's so easy to watch but what the frank reality is that Scott Park is very very different and it's getting results it is getting results
0: yeah I completely agree with Ben I mean it goes back to exactly what we touched on this is a side built with a more agricultural style should we say you know mm. attritional style in, in many ways we're better at the back and something that absolutely was a, a huge problem for us when we went up to the Premier League was that we just didn't really know how to defend and that saying so much in terms of what what we what happened to us and why we went back down and all of these issues in so many ways but coming back to parker's Star, i think he needs to be commended for some things his ability to his subs in recent weeks have been very good Hmm. uh, and made at sensible times and and i think that few people would have much to complain about there yes it's it's harder on the eye and yes it's not as you know I don't feel as dominant I I, I disagree in some ways I feel like more confident that this side could hold a lead absolutely but I don't think that I go don't go into every game with the confidence that I did and in that slav season like ben said earlier it, it's just one of those where in the long term it's probably quite a sensible strategy but in terms of trying to get out of the elite, out of this league i hate the fact that we don't go for the killer blow mm. so much you know at one nil up and at 2 nil up we should be killing games off and then we don't have to go into the last 10 minutes you know looking like we're under the cosh and yes we've been defending it well and yes that's impressive in itself but we shouldn't be subjecting ourselves to that we've seen in years gone by how how that can go badly and I, I don't think it's a sensible method to just be like, I'll go 1-0 up and then just hope that we survive the aerial bombardment in the 93rd minute.
2: Well, and the, I think the Lenahan non-goal showed that... Actually, and actually, yes, whether he was on side, offside, I'm not 100% sure, but... He, he's outside. Well, every, whether he care. whether he was or not, it was a lapse in concentration yeah. and he was completely free in the box and... Yeah, I I also am frustrated that just sometimes we are not going for that second goal. But Rodak's
0: made so many good saves since... If you look at just Rodak's saves since 2020 began, we're talking about some serious match-saving points, point-saving saves, all of these moments that we've relied on our keeper. And yes, it's great that we have a keeper that we can rely on, Mm -hmm. but we shouldn't be looking for our keeper to bail us out of trouble again and again and again. That's not... it's not sustainable, and it's the same way as going back to what we were saying about screamers earlier on. You know, you can't base your game plan on "oh, we might bang one from thirty <laughs> yards." That that's not that's not how it works. It's you know, you have to create chances that you have a high proportion of putting away you know these are you know like we say xg isn't the be all and end all but what it does is it shows you how many times you're putting the ball into good areas for your strikers to score and the more that you do that the more that you will score goals and, and look to create good chances and i think that creating high quality chances is something we've lacked in this
2: season well speaking of, of rodak um there's a there's a chart here that i don't really understand and it would need singer or current to truly understand it but it's looking at championship goalkeeper performance and a Marek rodak is clearly out in front as a mixture of it's it's based on good save percentage good xcg difference i've never seen anything like it in my life don Betts has his head in his hands and ben is it, currently trying load to
3: load a rubbish it, basically, well, basically like
0: he makes good saves and wins us points the yes, data you don't, you
3: don't need some weird map graph to point it out. You the data is commentary. the data I think is well, showing.
1: Well, essentially, what what is saying is that looking at this very quickly is that Rodak makes a massive. His save percentage is massive, and that his I suppose, his points gained is way above the rest of the league because it, when you look at. This is a quartiled table. When you look in the top right quartile, anyone that's in that top right is massively overperforming versus the rest of the league. So, to add context to this table, Marcus Bettinelli is in the bottom left, so he's got incredibly poor save percentage and poor xcg. Whereas Marek Rodak has got good save percentage and good xcg differential. So, what would what would the score be had he not been making saves? Obviously, it shows that. That Rodak is make, making a ton of saves and making us a ton of points whereas the other way around it's Bettinelli that was not making a huge amount of saves and actually costing us points
3: So Shoney's doing his job? Well no, but it's, it's
0: what we were saying right? Yeah, but so doing he's doing his saying, job well, well right? Bettinelli is actually costing Fulham points compared to an average goalkeeper in the league whereas Marek Rodak is winning Fulham points compared to an average goalkeeper in the league and, and that's important that's a, that's a point swing
2: um, right, let's do some more quick fire questions, yeah, as I realise that we haven't um, touched on quite a few of them. I-, I like this one: Amari Sinclair is Mitrovic our best ever striker since Saha? I would be hard pushed to argue. I mean, it,
3: you obviously, I don't know. You like Zamora in 0910 was a problem. Like, yeah, this is a valid point. Like, you, I understand how good Mitrovic has been, but compared to what what some of our other strikers have done in seasons in the Premier League which Mitrovic necessarily didn't although there was obviously the stat from I think Daniel Storey tweeted it today that yeah, he still yeah. was at the highest how of
0: heads is on target
3: f- in the last two seasons in the last
0: two seasons and he hasn't played in the division for but no, I, I, think, I, I,
3: I I love Mitrovic as much as anyone else but I do think that you can't you know Zamora in 0910 was a problem to you know some of the best t- teams in Europe
2: I love how you're calling him a problem
3: he was a problem <laughs> it's a great kind of phrase I think yeah yeah I mean if
0: you're obviously going to exclude like Eddie Johnson then probably
1: Mitrovic yeah It's a bit mad that everyone's forgetting about David Elm against Burnley yeah. but you know <laughs> we'll move on If we're going
0: to if we're going to exclude Elm and Johnson I think then we'll probably give it to Mitrovic
1: Stefano Okaka's yeah. match winning performance against Wigan will go down in the history of the annals
2: Um Sam Austin makes oh, a actually, good
1: Actually Ross McCormack I'd like to make a case for Ross McCormack
2: Mi- Mitrovic is... Ross McCormack is not better than Mitrovic. No, but without
0: Ross I think McCormack... He we reached
3: brought, 30 championship goals in this time.
1: Literally, without Ross McCormack, we'd have Ivan Toney up front. Like... <laughs> let's not beat around the bush
2: oh I, I love Ross McCormack I no, would be the
3: most about, disrespected
1: player and full of mystery I'm fairly disrespected Ivan
3: mean, Tony's too big for us <laughs> we'd <laughs> we
1: literally have Omar Bogle up front
2: um, <laughs> Sam Austin makes a great point rather than necessarily a question Mitrovic on eight yellows needs to last until after the 37th game to avoid a two match ban so basically, yeah, we need
0: him to only get booked twice in the next six games no once doable once in the next five
2: yeah, I think that's
0: doable. He can only
2: get one more yellow card between now and. Do we probably. play Br-
0: uh, Do we play Birmingham in that time? Because he'll, no, have to have have, he'll have to fight Jude do, we, Bellingham. No,
3: again. we don't play um, Birmingham until the <laughs> first weekend of April. I think. Yeah, it might be the next fight. Oh
0: no, it won't be. we well, yeah, has no, got about good. six games this month left. Yeah, no, so. true. If he can avoid fighting sixteen-year-olds, I reckon take on all
1: the right. Peaky Blinders again.
2: Um, this one from Creed Bratton. I don't know if that's his actual name because his, 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 his at is Jordan Harrison. So I'm going to imagine that's more likely to be his name. But anyway, whatever your name is, as far as I can recall, Onoma has played every game besides Reading since November the 29th. Is he now integral to how we play?
0: Yeah, I've seen someone else reply to this saying, is he just Scott's pet? Um, which I thought was quite, quite nasty. I, I think Onoma's been good on the whole. I think he's been far, <laughs> far more crucial than people give him credit for. He's... Uh, a physical presence in the middle, which which helps. I think there's something we, we've often lacked in games. And I think it's part of Parker's style. And I think it's it goes back to all those points we're making about the kind of stylistic nature of what Parker wants to achieve. It, it's about, if you look at Onoma and us being able to hold the ball high and, and get up the pitch and keep it up there, or make disruptive challenges in the middle and, and, and kind of break down play early doors, then I think he's been kind of crucial to that. But... Like you say, he's not as easy on the eye as many of the rest of our midfielders. So actually, it often looks like he's playing badly when he's not really. And we I clash with this by a lot of people. I think he's been very useful since he's come in. I think he he offers something that we don't have much of in terms of he he's happy to take you know, clattering challenges to break up opposition attacks while he's still very good on the ball. We've seen him out wide. We've seen him try and create. He carries the ball well, which I don't think many of our players do. You know, he does actually make ground with ball at feet. Uh, and I think he links the, the whole team up, up and down. And I think he's he's been really good. So, I feel like a football
2: simpleton when I kind of watch Josh Onimer and can't really see what he's doing, but then at the same time can't criticise him because I can't see anything that he's yeah. he's, he's doing Wrong,
3: but who else? Yeah. yeah, the thing is, who else would you do you play there instead of him? Well, like, I guess the obvious like, answer
2: would be Steph Jones. And I any. think
3: I don't, I don't personally think Steph Joe has been that good when he's featured this season. I think no, he's, I disagree with that. I, I, I like, I, f- I don't know. I feel like one, one, one thing he really did add to our team in the, in the two teams we reached playoffs, and obviously the second one which got promoted in. Is the goals and assists, and I just don't think he's been bringing that this season. Albeit he hasn't been starting games, but I don't think he's been bringing it. Isn't it that he hasn't scored in like two years or yeah, something yeah? Never mind crazy.
2: scoring belters all the time. If he could score tap
3: ins all the time, yeah, he doesn't moment. score any goals I... all the time anymore. Yeah. The but song just, is actually but, just wrong. Now. Yeah, but at the moment, <laughs> like for me, you, you know, Onuma, you take in there over the likes of Harry Arter, you take him in there over the likes of Stefan Johansson. I like, think look I with Onuma
0: it... in there, Kenny plays deeper, right? The, the role you would give Stefan Hansen is Kenny's role. If you give him anyone, he doesn't suit that. And you could you could play Steph deeper and play Tom Kearney up there, uh, but then you lose that physicality, you lose that ability to make those challenges. And one of the criticisms I saw levelled at onoma was that he gives away loads of fouls. I was like, that's not a that's criticism. That's his job. His job is to stop attacks on the counter <laughs> by just basically clipping people. It's a very old old school
1: pet th- yeah i think this is literally one of the things that Parker's implemented what yukanovich wouldn't is that there is a little there was dark arts under yukanovich like but there's more dark arts over parker than there is under parker than there is with yukanovich yeah, it's a little bit subtler in the danger, yeah i think yeah, there's loads
2: think... of dark arts under under parker is <laughs> yeah. it's it's niggly it's seeing out but, games but this and... is
1: what this is what i'm saying like when you, when a, a couple of minutes ago you said like as a you labeled yourself as a football symptom which firstly you're not but secondly like it is sometimes difficult to understand what Onana does and I I think he brings a balance that isn't really as explicit as many people would think and like isn't explicit as the the Kevin uh, TC and your your, um, your handsome midfield was because it just doesn't flow as well but his uh, literally his role is get the ball drive it away from danger Give it to someone better, or if the ball is coming towards you, make sure you win it. And if you don't, at least take the man. And it's a very, as you say, Jack, it's a very, very old school style of play. But it, it is a play that was been, also hasn't very been much needed. Very much.
0: Mm. And and one of the kind of arts of doing that role is you can't keep getting booked. Yeah. And someone who used to do it brilliantly was Fernandinho. and yeah. They don't play in the same position because Fulham aren't trying to. It's not at the counter. We're trying to stop teams literally at source yeah. almost. So their their thing is then I'll oh, give them a the free kick. 30 yards inside their own half, what are they going to do with it? Whereas, Fernandinho would do it on the halfway line. Yeah, the
1: difference is that Fernandinho is the last line of defence and and he kind of, and (laughs) Ornabé isn't. He's the first line of defence. Indeed.
2: This one from Will Brooks. How would the panel feel about a Fulham-Brentford 1-2 finish? For a generation who don't see Brentford as rivals, there could be a lot to like. Uh, If it happens, okay, I'm still happy that Fulham got promoted. I don't think it's going to make my... Enjoyment of Fulham getting promoted any less if if Brentford go up as as well. But
0: nah. look, there was a poll on this the other day, and I think twenty nine percent of people voted that they would rather not go up than 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 go up with Brentford, which I think is mad. Look, and aside from Dom's you know furious nature at the Premier League and and all of those things, I think if you're just talking as a you know as a, as a fan rather than someone that doesn't like the Premier League, Dom, that's a mad stance to take. You'd rather not go up than go up with a rival
3: I couldn't care less what Brentford do yes. like <laughs> yeah. if, they, if they go up they do if they don't they don't they've been arguably one of the a great great championship team to watch maybe not one of the, the best championship teams but you know in the football they're playing the amount of goals they score but like yeah I, if we go up with them we go up with them like, I don't see I don't, I don't have an issue either way
0: I'd be more upset if we stayed down and they went up
3: oh yeah that than,
0: would be hard, to hard to but then there's also, there's
3: also the dream of you know their last ever game with Griffin Park to be them losing in the playoffs against us not against us, just, just anyone. anyone really. just, just in
2: general. Because, I mean, like usually,
3: but to be fair, usually in the playoffs, it is a Fulham-related player that will mess them up. You know, you have Marcelo Trotters when... Well, it wasn't in the playoffs, but it's, you know, stopped them going automatically with the penalty miss against Doncaster. Dan Byrne and for and
1: Yeovil at Wembley.
3: In the same same season, I want to say. Yeah. It season. was in, yeah,
1: 12-13. Fernando for Middlesbrough. Exactly.
3: Yep. I mean, every time they try and win the playoffs, it's, it's a Fulham player that seems to stop them. But, I, I do th- I do think... That, yeah, for me, if we go up automatically, we go up automatically. I mean, not necessarily that, you know, you want the sort of euphoria of promotion. You just sort of... You know, most, the only one the I wouldn't actual actually mind
2: is if Leeds went up alongside us, because I think there would be so much attention on leads going up that actually Fulham might be able to fly under the radar. And and if you look at Sheffield United this year and how they kind of flew under the radar with their promotion, they finished second and everyone was too busy, you know, Talk losing their Villa. minds about Villa or how beautiful Daniel Farker's Norwich play. And Sheffield United went quietly about their business and clearly reaping the rewards more than the other two teams. Um, couple of more questions i like this one from weekly geekly i mean it's a bit of a hypothetical situation but i enjoy it who would win slavs attacking carefree fulham or parker's defensively more astute fulham he's asking firstly well over a season i feel like we're getting the answers. we'll get the answer for that one but as a straight one-off match
1: slav slav just Think that that they team just score, offers yeah, much would, more.
2: They win two forward. one. Yeah. See, I actually, I, I, I well, I'm going to just throw it out that I actually think Parker's team might actually. No, I think,
1: I think um, the way that Ilic's Fulham played would cause Parker's Fulham a lot of trouble, especially with the wing backs.
0: Well, look at the way that <laughs> to go back to Brentford, look at the way that Brentford cut us apart, at Griffin Park. Yeah, they missed loads of chances, but they wouldn't have different
2: side now though.
0: But that's why, well, yeah, maybe a little bit, but in terms of the way that they just absolutely blitzed through our midfield and were able to carve chances by basically isolating our, look at our fullbacks running against our old wingbacks, cutting inside and trying to bomb down the wings. Our, our fullbacks can't defend at the best of times. You know, the, the fact that the fact that they'd have Ryan Fredericks running overlaps on them, you don't know which way to look.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, I think in a one-off game you you probably back Slavisa's side, but I think I over think, the course of a season, yeah, different over the course of a season. I'm thinking looking at Scott Parker because you know I understand, look, you know this team's you know third and or joint second, whereas you know Fulham were only brief only briefly got into the top two with that team as kind of it So I think over a season you probably back Scott Parker. But in a one-off game, you know I think the likes of Target and Fredericks would just cause the likes of Christy and Brian absolutely mayhem.
2: Yeah. Um, one final one for you, Jack. Um, John D sends. In, uh, an interesting email about Javi Pereira and it's been briefly touched upon in the podcast but we haven't massively um, mentioned it he's been brought in as a, a kind of vice director of football underneath Tony Khan a couple of weeks ago uh, and and John's letter is saying how basically Javi Pereira will figure Scott Parker out in just a matter of weeks either positive or negative He's going to know exactly what he's going in there and what he's signed up for. I just wanted to get a couple of words from you. How important do you think the appointment of Pereira is? Because for me, it's massive and and, and a sign of Tony maybe accepting the limitations that he has given how busy he is. And also that he isn't being a football man all his life, if you, if you know what I mean. I think everybody
0: I've ever spoken to about Javi Pereira says that. He is one of the sharpest football minds going, and I've had people say that he was the mind, the kind of mastermind behind a lot of what happened with Slavisa, and a lot of the actual tactical acumen and kind of style of play that that kind of developed under Slavisa. And I think that, on the whole, if we just take the whole press uh, statement of face value him coming in and instilling a style of football that I, I thought we went a bit overboard about the style of football that Fulham is world famous for in the press in, in the press release but I, I think he will come in and install a style of football that overarches the entire the academy, the younger groups and all of those things and it it sets Fulham up as a side that we are looking to be progressive in the future with our managers and and look when we went to the Premier League last time. We abandoned all our principles and suddenly reverted to regressive, negative football. I don't think we'll make that mistake again, not with Javi Pereira at the at the helm. Because if you look at his style and who he's kind of worked with, he worked for a long time with Jordi Cruyff um, until he went off to be the manager of Ecuador, is it, Dutpen? Yeah. Um, and... And actually his kind of principles and the principles that have been passed on to him by his father, the father of this kind of progressive style of football, if you will, um, it's it's all part of the same view. And I think that having a football man on the ground and having, I think, a person on the ground from the vice or the director of football's chair... In and around the the training ground, who'll be able to feedback? Who'll be able to talk through transfers? Who'll be able to work that through the academy? Talk about who, what the academy players are willing and ready to step up into the style of play that we're trying to implement. I think he will work Scott Parker out. I don't think that Scott Parker is will be worried. I think he'll look at and, and Pereira will look at him and go right he, he is trying to instill this kind of football philosophy but with some added grit with a bit of you know attrition and it's not as pretty as it used to be but we still try and play football the right way a lot of the time mm. when we can uh, and being that kind of flexible with a person of this kind of esteem and uh stylistic approach I think has got to be a good thing long term
2: alright well thank you very much for listening today uh, Fulhamish will return on Wednesday night Thursday morning we'll do a review of the Millwall game and then a quick preview of the Barnsley match we just need to name today's podcast Jack what are you thinking
0: Metro
1: Michael marching
2: nice Mitro and Michael or just Metro Michael marching Metro
1: Michael marching lovely alright you know Ewood puns I'm done with this podcast <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, I right. knew he would do that he would, have done it differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he would have done it differently knew he would be wound up knew <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. he would score yeah, yeah, there we are. Ben Jarman thank you very much thank you Sam Don Betts thank you it's alright Jack Collins thank you thank you Sammy we will see you Wednesday night Thursday morning come on you whites you whites you whites